The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Today I did some not super glamorous things. Uh, I helped my husband compile all of our write-offs for that crazy student housing project renovation thing that we did this summer. Uh, We spent, as it turns out, almost like $30,000 on a now vacant building that is making me sad. A little bit sadder every day. (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, uh, I also went to the grocery store. We went to Lowe's to try to find some stucco patch, and they had like this little tiny, little tiny box of it. But why am I talking to you about my pretty mediocre day? Well, I want to talk about depicting the everyday in writing because it's something that we can't leave out or else our books feel like a little bit empty, a little bit shallow. And characters exist in a world where they have to eat, they have to drink. They have to go to the bathroom. They should shower once in a while. Uh, You know, even in fantasy, like, they need that giant horse trough, you know, every couple of months just to get the stink off them. And it can be really tempting to include all of these everyday details in your story. But that is what I would call uh, bridging into over-description, which is one of the things that... A lot of new writers do, and it's also the one thing that all write, that all readers hate, and I talk about this extensively in Story Filters and also in Write This Way, 10 years of writing experience in six easy lessons. It's one of the six easy lessons uh, about over-description, and so I want you to understand that you can include everyday details inside of your book, but you need to understand that if those details aren't pointing to something where the plot is moving forward, they need to be left out. And one of the things that uh, I like and I do in some of my own books is I talk about cooking and baking and sewing because I love all of those things and I usually have my characters do those things. And so I have my characters, you know, cook things and bake things and sew things and sometimes paint things and draw things. That's just something that I enjoy reading about as a reader and I also enjoy writing about it, but it has to be pointing towards something. Uh, And I I doubt you have read Plunge Into Darkness yet, which is my book. Uh, I'm going to hopefully finish the last book and re-release the first book and then the second two books, like do a rapid release later this year. Uh, I would love to do that before December. That would just 
really make my year. Maybe that will be my birthday present to myself because my birthday's in December. I'll be like, yes, plunge into darkness. Uh, the knotted woman and chorus of the fallen are all done and out, and I'll be so happy. But one of the things that uh, they do in plunge into darkness is uh, they're always figuring out what they're going to eat because they're in these different situations where they can't get food. And one of the themes of the story is that uh, what it's like to be impoverished. So uh, you have Don's family and they're very poor and they don't spend their money wisely, actually, um, because they're trying to numb this, this hunger for food and other things, we'll say. And they just don't have enough food. So we see an interaction very early on where um, Don, who is the mute character, is outside and Ever, who is the protagonist, is like, hey, I know where to get these extra foods. My mom showed me. So I'll take you. You can get food and then your parents will be happy. And it's uh, it's one of those things where they're just getting to know each other as characters. So that kind of scene is fine where you have characters talking about food, gathering food, and you're showing their progression from not knowing each other at all to knowing each other. That's driving the plot forward. And then in The Knotted Woman, which is the second book, which is not out yet because there are some scenes I was too scared to write, and so I haven't written them yet, and my uh, critique partner called me out on it. Uh, they bake a lot because Winston, he's a new character that pops up in the second book. He likes to bake, and they all need to eat, and they live in this type of commune situation, and Winston uh, does all of the cooking. And so we see him baking. We see them eating. Like, they're having these conversations. The first time they go into his cabin, he's made them, like, this really yummy pumpkin bread. Now I want pumpkin bread. Uh, and <laughs> now I want to go bake <laughs> because I love baking. But the thing is, like, it's the first time that Don and Ever are in his cabin and they're looking around and they're thinking about him as a man, really, for the first time. So it's okay to have him baking. It's okay to have them eating because it's moving the plot forward. And so if you're writing, which those books are fantasy, I'll just say that. They're fantasy, so they have magical elements. Uh, and food is one of the magical elements at different points in the story which is really fun for me uh, because I'm like, okay, what kind of magical food would they need right here? And can I make that so that they can have it? <laughs> um, but if you're writing something like contemporary, then you you might have uh, them like cooking a salad, like cooking chicken and making a salad or, you know, food is something that we bond over as human beings. And so it makes sense to have that in the book or it makes sense in the book to have an interruption because one of the characters has to go to the bathroom. But don't just have them go to the bathroom for no reason. Maybe uh, Wanda has to go to the bathroom and Stephanie is waiting outside for her and Stephanie runs into uh, her old boss who offers her a job. You know, like, use those moments wisely, but you don't have to feel like, I can't mention food, I can't mention the bathroom, I can't mention any kind of... Uh, personal hygiene routine. But the thing you don't want to do is have a character go through their whole crazy morning routine for no reason and be like, well, I'm just showing them that I'm just showing the reader this kind of anal uh, way that the 
character gets ready every day. Uh, no, that's not a good, <laughs> that's not a good enough reason. And I would say that uh, if you want a good example of how an, a writer treats the everyday, you can go watch Stranger Than Fiction on Netflix, which I talked about, uh, I think, two episodes ago. And it does, like, it sucks. Like, Harold Crick brushed his teeth 23 times vertically, 26 times horizontally. And they're using that to introduce you to the character, but also, as you find out, he's a tax man, and so he's very obsessed with numbers, and that's part of who he is, and that's part of what changes over the course of the story. That's the beginning of his character arc. So if you have something that, um, you know, leans into the everyday that sets up your character arc, okay, that's good, but don't get carried away, right? Like, we can only watch about one minute of uh, Will Ferrell brushing his teeth in this methodical manner, and then after that, we will be bored. So they don't keep showing that. They move to the next thing, and it's not he gets up, he brushes his teeth, he eats breakfast, uh, he puts on his clothes. No, it doesn't show all of those things. It just picks a few things, and that's what you need to do if you're going to use everyday-type elements to introduce your character to the reader or if you're going to use everyday-type elements to drive your plot forward like we talked about with Stephanie's boss offering her a new job while Wanda's in the bathroom. I hope I got those names right because I just made up all that stuff on the fly. And that's the kind of thing you can do when you have all this book knowledge shoveled into your brain. And I want you to think about the everyday moments in your life that matter because I don't, nothing spectacular happened to me this morning while I was brushing my teeth. Nothing amazing happened to me while I was going through what must have been at least 100 receipts with my husband and itemizing every list in a spreadsheet. Nothing spectacular happened then, okay? Nothing spectacular or amazing happened when we hung out on our deck with our dogs after we finished all of the number stuff and our brains were all mushy, okay? But then I was thinking about what did I do today and how can I talk to my fabulous writers about that? And I thought, oh, I just read a scene this morning where there's a character uh, cooking something. And I was like, yay, I get to see this character cook something because I hadn't seen this character cook anything before. And for me, that's a, like a relatability thing because I cook constantly. I have to go make dinner after I finish recording this. And I bake all the time. Uh, I bake less now because my daughter has kind of taken over some things. Like she makes the cookies now, not me. And she gets all the credit even though it's my recipe. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'll let her have the credit because she makes the cookies. Uh, and it's just something that I can relate to when I read a character that's baking or cooking or sewing, like I said. Um, there are some... I'm going to tell you one of the weirdest things about me right now because I was thinking about this earlier today. When I was uh, in college, I worked at two different places. I worked at the UPS store as an assistant store manager. I worked my way up to that position. And I also worked at the Redondo Beach Police Department as a clerical assistant. And I worked on and off there for over 10 years. And one of the things, like basically my main job at the police department was to take really, really old paper uh, police records and documents and digitize them. And if that sounds really boring, that's because for the most part it is. Once in a while I would get really disturbing uh, reports that I had to digitize and that was not, I wouldn't say that's entertaining, I would say 
Some of that scarred me for life, maybe. But what I would do when I was scanning these is I was allowed to listen to music. And so you know what I did? I listened to quilting podcasts. Yes, those are real. It's a podcast where someone talks about how they quilt. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. Maybe I have to scan this murder report or this report where this person that I knew in real life actually got beat up. And that did happen. Uh, and that's a bummer. But at least I can listen to quilting podcasts because I was really into quilting. I'm still pretty into quilting. I'm making a quilt right now uh, for my family to use because it's getting chilly again because it's October in Western Pennsylvania. And I would listen to quilting podcasts because I found that entertaining. However, uh, I do not think I would read a fictional story that went into so much detail about quilting as the podcast did because I was listening to the podcast to help my quilting skills get better. I wasn't listening to it really for entertainment, although the woman who hosted it, and I cannot remember the name, I cannot remember the person who did it because this was like 13 plus years ago now, uh, I she was also fairly entertaining and I liked hearing about her experiences at quilting uh, conventions. And yes, those exist and they're pretty awesome. And so I, I would be willing to listen to that because I'm trying to level up my skill, but I wouldn't be interested in a fiction book that tells me, okay, her seam allowance was a quarter of an inch. And she decided that she was going to use cotton, cotton fill instead of polyester fill because it's better for the environment and it's warmer. And she also went with a less crazy uh, elaborate design because when you put too many holes in the quilt, it doesn't really do a good job of keeping you warm. Like these are all things that I know as a quilter, but if I was reading it in a fictional book, I would be like, why? Why would, why would someone write all this? It's too much. But if someone was like, oh, she made a, you know, oh gosh, I can't even remember any names for any blocks right now because... I like making my own blocks up because that's how I am. I don't like I don't like following patterns and that kind of stuff. To me, I like it if it's kind of make it up as you go, uh, which is a lot harder to do. But that's just the way my brain works. So I was going to say like, oh, like let's say uh, she's making a double ring pattern. I'm like, oh, that's so hard. And usually you give that as a gift for a wedding. So my quilt knowledge would kick in and it would like turn on my geek quilt hyperdrive in my brain, but I wouldn't be bored by it where I would be bored if it's like, she sat and sewed for six hours. Okay, yeah, okay, I've done that before, but I don't want to read about it. It's boring to read about. It's fun to do, kind of. I don't, I don't think I've ever had a good six-hour sewing session where I'm like, yeah, sewing is the best at the end. I'm more like, I can't move because now my back is going to go out. So that's there are these distractions that are everyday things, and then there are distractions that are everyday things for us as writers because we have specific interests. And we have to be careful not to alienate the reader by going into too much detail over things like uh, putting your shoes on or for uh, the example I used, crazy quilt making knowledge. So you have to remember this rule. Does the thing you're writing further character development and help with your character arc? Or does it push the plot forward? Or does it tell us something about the setting that we really need to know? And if not, you have to leave it out. You absolutely have to leave it out because you get caught up in these moments and the reader's like, why are they telling me this? And then readers get confused. And what do confused readers do? 
That's right, they stop reading. And if you're more interested about um, how to beat over description, you can check out Story Filters if you go to literarysymmetry.com slash storyfilters. And I have uh, the sign-up for the course that's going to be coming out hopefully next week. And I'm going to be working on that uh, Thursday and Friday. And so I just want to tell you that while your everyday life uh, might seem particularly interesting in your journal, it's not really the best material for writing fiction. You can go off of your own experiences, but don't get caught up in details that don't matter to the plot, character, or setting. And I hope that you'll be able to include relatable elements of the everyday into your writing without getting sucked into the detail vortex next time you sit down to write your amazing idea. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. <laughs>